when you see the meme of the world's most interesting guy, it should be a picture of this man. It's Shiv Shanks, live at Gilmore Guitars. Guitars, Shiv Shanks in the house. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> How are you, man? It's good to see you. You too. You are our first guest on Live at Gilmore Guitars for 2021. It's actually kind of hard to wrap my head around 2021. 2020 was We enough. just skipped a year. So, man. I mean, everything's out of whack, even if you were on schedule before, which nobody ever is. You know, you always feel like it's later than it is in the year. <laughs> no kidding. Earlier. So, how was 2020? I mean, it, it was a year for the books. But, I mean, let's be honest. 2020 has, has started with a bit of a bang. You know what? 2020 wasn't that bad for me. I kind of like being isolated. Mm-hmm. So, the more isolation I get... Get, the more work I get done, okay. the more writing happens, the more stuff happens. So I mean, it was it was it could have been depressing, but at the same time, there was tons of backyard parties this summer. I played them all again yeah. and, and stuff, and I, I still ended up having kind of a a good year. Yeah, I did too. You know, I it really wasn't that different for me because you know small shop one person at a time anyway mm-hmm. so and i actually had a, a pretty okay year in 2020 so yeah actually you know it was okay and uh i'm, I'm uh, i got a little covers band with kwan here in town yeah my... you and kwan Dieppe have uh, put together and the violin player is jeanette jeanette miller she's crazy 
It's uh, I not, went not in the head, but in like playing. She's really <laughs> yeah, good. it's really good. We uh, I went and saw you guys at uh, Bo's Bar and Grill um, last fall. It was November, maybe. The quick break in the pandemic. When yeah, we could play ex- shows again. It, exactly. And uh, I was totally blown away. I, I've known Quan for a long, long time, and uh, he's always been sort of farting around with the guitar. But has he ever developed into a to a and with class, yeah. You know, like I, I'm blown away because the first time I heard Quan, it was, he was a dumpster fire of a guitar player, right? And when then the next time he wanted to jam, it didn't seem like that much later. Maybe four years, five years, yeah. you know, whatever. And then I said, "Well, we can jam." You know, he'll. he'll I'm not. I'm not a great. I didn't think I was a great jammer. And I thought, "Well, Quan was terrible last I heard him, but we'll get together." He wanted to see if I could sing this Brandy Carlisle song, and of course <laughs> okay. I couldn't. Yeah. But then all the other songs he wanted to sing was exactly what I was cutting my teeth on back when I was really laying into the rock and roll when I was a teenager, right? So right. It's like, oh, this is pretty fun. You know, I know all these songs. It was interesting because. I thought I was going to go see an original show. I thought you guys were going to do a bunch of of your songs, but it was a, a show full of covers and some really cool covers. <laughs> Thank you. Like uh, uh, some Led Zeppelin, and and it was, it was I was duly impressed. Oh, thanks. And I've always been dead set against covers, and that's why all of a sudden it's fun because it's like I had a almost like a no covers rule for over a decade right because i was writing so many songs it just seemed foolish to sing other people's songs or figure try to you know because it always takes me a lot more to figure out somebody else's song than would to write my own you know right right but but kwan's got all these songs down and and it's like all all of a sudden i just need to remember the words and then once once i get the words together it's like wow now i can pick up something with some strings and add some here and there's and and then it's like well i might as well start playing the drums with my feet for this too because we don't have a drummer right and stuff and all of a sudden we're, we're kind of rolling you know it's good. It's good. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. But I'm also uh, looking forward to seeing more uh, new music from you, too. Uh, your last record was called uh, Dusty Flamingo. Yeah. And uh, you released that in 2019, I believe, right? Yeah, I was kind of on the border 2019, 2020, kind of in there. But mm-hmm. it never got an official release. Like, uh, we put it online uh, early 2020, I think. And then, but I, I had a few, uh, about 20 copies I released in the summer. Uh, well, I re- I remember you were you were at the shop with a bunch of jewel cases and putting flamingo feathers in, in each case. <laughs> we butchered dozens of flamingos to make this record. <laughs> it was totally worth it. It's totally worth it. <laughs> so, uh, the the recording process. How and where did you record that record? I recorded with Lori Matheson in uh, Calgary, uh, Arch Audio, and I'd ended up I won. Not even a place in the in the uh, songwriting competition of the Ship and Anchor, but I, it was like like almost like a door prize. I got in the finals and played and stuff, and they said uh, Brett gets the free day of recording or whatever. So, uh, I, I had it for about three years, kicking around because I was always in the middle of recording an album, you know, with somebody else, and and I just thought, well, maybe I should try this out. I got this free day or whatever, and he, he didn't even remember it when I called him, but I, <laughs> and I don't even think he made me produce the thing. <laughs> but, I ended up getting getting in there and doing the free day, and of course you you never make an album a day. But no. we recorded fourteen basic songs in the first day. Wow! With foot drums, guitars, and vocals, and everything all at once. And well, then, that that that's no farting around. That's well, like, we, we were rolling, and it's like he was getting me good sound and stuff. So I mean, it was it was easy. You know, sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it's hard. And as soon as you start bumping, you know, staggering in the studio, you just go down for the count. Like it's, right. it starts affecting you mentally. But I was just having a good day, and everything was good. And he, he's a fun guy to record with, so we were, we were clicking. And 
and yeah, we recorded a bunch of tunes, but of course, you know, that, that, upon further listening, it's like, well, I don't know, these two didn't really take it the way I would have imagined they would have and stuff. And by, by the end of it, I think I'd whittled it down to, to eight songs, and then I ended up going back to Mexico, because this is my beach album, right? And I thought, okay, I got one more chance here, because I, I thought it would be done soon, but by the time it came time to almost put it out, it was like, okay, it's winter again. I could go back to Mexico and get the last songs because there's got to be other songs waiting for me, right? So yep. every time I go there, I just write <clears throat> beachy kind of stuff. So I was collecting them all. And I thought, okay, eight songs? Yeah, that's not an album. So I went there and I grabbed the last couple songs, which thank God I did because, you know, they're a couple of the standouts or whatever. And then, uh, and then I got home, recorded them all in a couple days. I just like, kind of... I had the words there, but it came home and put the music together really hastily almost, and then just okay. went back and recorded another three or four songs. And by the end, we ended up with 11 songs. You uh, got a bit of uh, CKUA love with this record. I know that Bubba's played a bunch of stuff. I think I may have heard some uh, on Wide Cut Country maybe as well. I'm no, not sure. I, but I, I know, I, I, I know I, Bubba played I know, it I know, I know Bubba's played it a bunch. Yeah. He's, he's my guy when it comes to radio, you know. <laughs> yeah. Even if he wasn't playing my record, just listening to radio, it's like you're always like very aware. You're 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 taking in great knowledge from a very knowledgeable, yeah. wonderful person, right? Yeah, you know? he's he's always very entertaining to listen to mm-hmm. and compelling. Yeah, to, to listen to as well, which yeah. is really cool. Sweet and knowledgeable. <laughs> <You know? laughs> sweet, yeah. sweet is the probably yeah. the key word in the phrase, How many right? Do you know they're sweet? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not many. There you go. You're a sweet motherfucker. <laughs> Are we allowed to swear in this deal? Oh, why not? I'm, I've got two listeners. Your podcast, you're already breaking the rules. <laughs> All right, let's uh, go to the title track of uh, the record, which is called Dusty Flamingo. And uh, if you don't have a copy of it, where can they get a copy of it? <laughs> It, it's it, it's uh, online. It, it, is it on? Well, I, apparently, yes. I know it is online. I don't know how to look and see if it's officially on. I, I, everyone says it's on Spotify, and I know you can find it on YouTube. You are the king of promo. Yeah, yeah, it exists. <laughs> and you know what? I've only ever pressed like maybe fifty of these things because me and Carl are doing them by hand, and it's taking forever because yeah. I want to add little pink feathers to everything, right? Yeah. So it makes them special, but it makes them all so hard to get. So they're <laughs> worth a lot of money. All right, live at Gilmore Guitars, Shift Shanks. What goes around, it comes around Like a Ferris wheel, or a merry-go-round A revolving dome, never a flow Temperature's high. 
knows what Anything could happen today Winds will come Knows where from And I hope that they blow this way Cause every old kite Deserves one last flight I got it in me And the air is just right Guitars at their shift shanks. That's the title track off of Dusty Flamingo. That is the Dusty Flamingo itself. What am I playing here, dude? You are playing a Gilmore Standard uh, with walnut back and sides and a bear claw spruce top. That guitar, when I was building it, I uh, I uh, didn't have any high expectations for it. It was a guitar that was going to go in the uh, in the showroom on spec, and it turned out it's a special guitar. Like I pick it up, and it it's. I think there's some it, songs in there. It, Shiv. it spoke to me too. That's why it's in my lap right now. You started the podcast with the twelve string, yeah. The little parlor twelve string. I figured might as well showcase a couple that haven't been showcased yet, and this is the one that spoke to me. And I thought, well, twelve string is based on almost a different instrument, so yeah. Okay. Might as well give that a go, too, if we're going to have an extra texture. So uh, let's talk about some songwriting. Have you got, I know, like you were uh, a podcast guest back in the old shop. So God. it's probably been six, six or years seven ago. years ago that we we did that first podcast. And back then, uh, you and I'm assuming it's it's still the way things are, but you're, you're prolific. You said at the time you always have you're recording a record now you've already got the next record written are you still kind of in that yeah, sort of I'm cycle st- i'm still a record or a record and a half ahead of the game and it's but the funny thing is i'm not because by the time we go to record it half those songs go out the window but it's nice to have that patty and then have to panic and write better songs because you realize well i don't know some of these songs just aren't hanging with the others you know so right they either get rewritten or you write something better. And sometimes in the panic of listening to your album that you had planned out and hearing that it's not working the way you wanted it to, all of a sudden you realize which songs are weighing you down. You get rid of those and you write songs that balance with the ones you already have. Right. So it's almost like the last step is the important one. That's when I usually write the best songs because I know what the album needs. 
because I've listened to what I have to take out of it to make me happy, and all of a sudden I've got six songs or whatever. That's that's not an album where I come from, you know. So it's like you try for that ten song album. Right. So have you got? Uh, a record ready to start recording? Oh, yeah. I've got a couple. Actually, I've got a record half recorded that was just like something we did in a couple of days. I ended up, I did some acting in a TELUS uh, thing that Jason Steele directed here in town. Okay. And uh, then all of a sudden there was room for a song in this thing, right? So, and I was, so I was going, I was going through my notebooks and pulling out anything with a cactus or anything that was westerny and just getting all, all these old verses together and just seeing what I had and just kind of whipped together. I whipped together like an album, just kind of out of bits and pieces laying around and just the inspiration of just being on that set for a couple of days. Cause it was like, I met all these amazing people and had this amazing time. And it was like, I wanted to kind of stay in that cowboy land, you know? So what happened with that project? Was it ever it, finished? Was it yeah. done? And I think it's officially finished. Um, and they're, they're trying to get it, I think into some little film festivals and stuff. And eventually it's going to wind up on the Telus channel. So called, was it like a full full length oh, no, feature like or just maybe a, 16, 17 minutes long? Oh, okay, like a short. Yeah, yeah. So I was called in mostly to be a thug, but uh, so yeah, I got to do a lot of thuggish things. And uh, in the last day, the lady who was supposed to be directing the fight didn't show up because she was sick. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, "Oh, what do you want to do?" And then me and, and then this new guy had to take her place. So, so we just made it up on the fly. So I just kind of. <laughs> Choreo- to have to fight. Yeah, basically, I just told the guy, "Punch me at the base of my neck if we look like if we're getting lost." Other than that, I'll take care of things. <laughs> well, I mean, you do have some some experience in fake fighting. Well, yeah, that's why uh, that's why I was I was happy to get to use it. Right. You know, because if people don't remember, you actually did some some wrestling. I went to school for eight months to be a professional wrestler. It was supposed to be 12 months, and by the end of the eighth month, I was running out of money and kind of realizing that nobody was going to let me wrestle the way I wanted to wrestle. And it wasn't. I was looking at it as like a huge creative outlet, and then I real, you got to a point where you realize whoever you're working for is going to tell you who you are and what you're doing, and you just got to go there and take suplexes all night, right? And it's like... Once I realized I wasn't going to be able to steer my own ship for the most part and stuff, I kind of lost interest in it, and I was running out of money. And, and I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of money in it. Oh, God. For like 50 bucks a match if you're lucky, you know, to start, and then you do that for a couple of years. But, like, how there's there's so little work, you'd get, like, maybe 50 bucks every two months, you know? Like, so yeah. then you have to work at Subway waiting for your next wrestling match. And it's like, I just didn't have the patience to live at the bottom of the whatever. Yeah. And I was living with my wrestling coach and uh, a guy called Evil Eddie Watts. And, like, honestly, like, <laughs> I, I like those guys a lot, but it's like, I need my private time, you know? And when this Eddie moved in, they booted me out of the bedroom, right? Because he had seniority. He was wrestling in Japan. He was a big deal, right? So then, all of a sudden, I'm sleeping in the, on the couch in the middle of the living room. So whoever's up, it's like, you're up with them, right? And you're doing whatever they're doing. And... I got to the point where I just had to get out of there. It was too, too much. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. Well, they were going to send me on the hell tour, which was across the frozen tundra. Uh, oh, Edge and Christian went on the hell tour. So this is your ticket, right? But it, basically, you're going from reserve to reserve across the frozen tundra. And the new guy, they told me, has to drive the truck, set up the ring, wrestle twice each night, one night with maybe a mask on so they don't know who you are and because there's not enough guys on the tour and stuff. And then you got to break down the ring. And it's like, I need to sleep every four hours for like four hours. So it's like I'm trying to imagine this life and how I could do without just and and then the, the truck was a st- 
standard and it was like I would have to learn how to be a man, you know. And it's like, okay, I can take a lot of crazy suplexes, but I ain't learned how to drive a standard for this shit. Uh, oh, that's funny. I, was like, yeah, I, I don't know what, what exactly killed it, but a lot of things did all at once. Did you ever uh, write any songs about the experience? Not about the experience, but I just wrote a song about professional wrestling, which features 41 wrestlers and one wrestling manager. Oh? Yeah. So you, you string all the names in on yeah, it? Yeah, basically it's like almost like a word association. I just like name the wrestler and just kind of what I would think of them, what make what I think of them, you know, it's like Jake the Snake, have a snake. <laughs> you know, it, it can be that easy, right? <laughs> it, it's kindergarten songwriting. But pretty much, right? But if you're a wrestling fan, there's certain parts where you just pop for okay. certain things, right? It's like, nice. I have deep wrestling knowledge. <laughs> I'm sure you do. All right, let's get what, uh, another song in here. Uh, is this one on uh, Dusty Flamingo as well? It is. It's called Don't Rock the Boat. It's rock number three. It, it's it's a, a, a beachy song as well. Yeah, they're all BG songs. Yeah. This one was actually written in Calgary on the uh, log ride at Cowboy Park. Oh, well. I was uh, I was waiting in line to go on this thing for the first time since I was a very small child. And there was another very small child there waiting to go on it. And then his dad was wondering if we, he could come on on the ride. They were like, they were kind of nervous or whatever. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, my son was wondering if you'd sit in the front because he doesn't want to get wet. I'm like, oh, yeah, right on. That's the best seat in the house. You know? so, and then I was talking to the kid. I'm like, man, I haven't been on this ride since I was your age. And that totally blew his mind, right? But then as they were telling us about getting on the log, there was rules, right? The guy's like, okay, don't rock the boat. And he's like, don't stick your hands in the water. And he's like, don't stick your hands out of the cart. And there's just all these rules. And but the, the first, the first command there, you know, was, don't rock the boat. Stay calm. 
Live at Gilmore Guitars, Shift Shanks. Still alive for now. Still alive for now. <laughs> uh, and uh, a life story is being uh, filmed about the mighty Shift Shanks. Tell me about how you met this young lady that's doing uh, some filming and uh, kind of doing, uh, I guess, a documentary? Yeah, sort of. It's, she was the executive producer on the cowboy thing that I worked on. Oh, uh, okay. And we all had such a good time. I think we're just all looking for an excuse to work with each other again. Okay. So basically, she just went through film school, and she was doing some projects. And she said, well, I'm, I'm doing a COVID uh, projects. Anybody that's done anything artsy or creative during this, this dry spell, I want to see your creations. I'll come to your backyard and film it and stuff. So by the time she got to my backyard, I had the whole yard full of the stuff I was working on, right? Instruments I'm compiling out of chunks of old instruments and whatever you know uh, the stuff I've been working on paintings and all that so by the end of it she's like I was reading your biography thing and she's like you have a really interesting story and she's like I saw I just cancelled everybody else after I saw your yard <laughs> kind of thing that's funny and I said well you know I got some some old footage of some of my fights and stuff you know I'm like we could really make this like a, a big deal if you want so, she, so she's just coming around every once in a while when something's happening and, and frying up the camera and We'll and what, and what was her name? Let's let's give her, her a plug. Cassandra Hennigan. Okay. Hennigan? Hennigan? <laughs> it's nice Once that again? you know the people that you work with. <laughs> I never have to say her last name. It's like, I've seen it on the book of faces there. It's a Hennigan? Hennigan? <laughs> yeah. Like Irish whiskey or something. Nice. So does she have some sort of a plan to to release it? And, and yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Big plans. She's, we're going to pitch it all over the place and see what happens. Well, we'll see. well, I haven't even seen any of the footage yet. It's one of those things where we're just going to shoot all the shit. Because I, I was, she was shooting a few things, and I started thinking, okay, what what do we need to talk about here? What's important in my life? You know, there's a lot of a lot of different trails you can go down that aren't important, you know? Well, let's, let's be honest. You have led a, a very interesting life from working on the killing floor at the meat packing plant, you know, to, to, to wrestling, to, you know, and songwriting. And, and just the way you live your, your day-to-day life is, is pretty sort of renaissance, I suppose. Whatever it is, it's definitely uh, lots of weird stuff has happened. So well, you know when people see that meme of the world's most interesting guy, mm-hmm. they should probably That's have a picture him. of they should they should have a picture of Shiv Shanks there. You know, it's not that guy in the picture, <laughs> even if it's not me either. <laughs> because uh, every every time you come by the shop, you've got a, a new project, something that you want me to work on. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes I, you I've, downright refuses. Well, there's just sometimes that. I can't, I can't wrap my head around what, what, what you what you got going, but uh, we've done some really cool things. We've accomplished some good stuff, all right. Yeah. We got the stump. Yeah, that's probably our greatest uh, greatest thing. Yeah, the the turducken never did work out. Yeah, no, where, it's still where, half you, where you had the the big old Frank Gay guitar, we were gonna put a parlor inside of that, and then a banjo and inside the parlor. I, 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 and it's still like it's still the ghost of it's still sitting there, right? I can look at it every <laughs> once in a while and be like, oh god, I wonder. <laughs> but I got Brett working on the banjo part right now. He, okay, he took. He's like, I can get this thing going. And I'm like, okay, and that was like a year ago. But he's got it out there. He thinks he can do something with it so it'd be nice to just get that banjo going with the six string neck or the eight string neck i think i got it on oh geez so dual course or yeah well it's just dual course what is the dual course on just like the two e strings or something oh, okay. i can't remember what i cooked up for that it's 
been a while, but it's such a gorgeous looking thing because we took apart. It was an old parlor guitar that was kind of falling apart, but it looked like it had a resonator. And once we took the plate off, it didn't. It was just a painted on yeah. underneath. It was just a painted yeah. circle. So then, but I just decided we'd cut a hole and drop this ba- bullback banjo into it because it was the perfect size and because just the way I was feeling that night, I could see the neck coming off the banjo and watch, and it literally jumped in for me, so I didn't have to do a lot of work on that. Yeah, it, did, it didn't work. I, I, I put in the college effort. Oh, yeah. I did. I did. But I, I, yeah, I, I, I just couldn't couldn't make that thing work. And and you've done, like, the uh, the drum kit that you play. Uh, you've put together this, this thing with fenders from an old, old truck. And, like, it, it's cool as hell looking. I, I have outsmarted myself several times in my life, David. And that's one of those places where I outsmarted myself, but then it came full circle and, and I'm back to actually thriving off of that thing because I made it out of the front end of two old Mercury's or like the hoods of two old Mercury Mercury's. They're really shapely and nice as a Mercury truck. Yeah. So we chopped the one off and then we chopped the other and inverted it to make a pod kind of thing. And then I got two truck horns coming out the sides and it used to have eyes, lights for eyes, but those we took those out when we put a drum machine and some other shit in. <laughs> and we kind of overcooked it a little bit. The drum sensors never worked right and stuff. But, uh, and because it's like a hundred pound travel guitar or travel drum kit, it's very quiet. So it's like, it's not worth taking to a show just to look cool because it sounds about 25% as good as a real drum kit. Yeah. But in my new place that I just moved underneath the puppy mill there, I can only, I can't make much for noise. So all of a sudden, this drum kit I'm writing on it all day, and they don't even know I'm playing drums down there because I'm keeping it light, and it's just like oh good, and it's just so quiet that it's like I'm just writing acoustic in this basement thing, and I'm actually getting a lot of work done. Oh good, yeah. So how many do you think you have written and ready to to mm-hmm. record? I got three new good ones just for moving into this suite about a week about a month ago. Sorry. Okay. So and then I've got a lot of half cooked stuff, and then. Uh, some of it's good, some of it's not, but like between albums, like there's a lot of, of the songs I had that were good, you know, eight years ago haven't been recorded yet. So, I mean, I've got a lot of songs that are just waiting for the right. So how do you write a song? I, I know that's kind of a loaded question, but. Uh, there's a hundred answers, but my, everyone, I think probably everybody that writes a song has a, a method or something that kind of triggers them into songwriting or something that's worked before. <laughs> Me. I like to get rid of everybody, get by myself in an environment that I find stimulating. I get super loaded, and then I just, I'm just left there with my thoughts, my guitars, pens you, and paper. Your amp turned to 10. And if I can get away with it, yeah. Sometimes it's just, you, you can just write, you know? It's like my, my new basement suite, I gotta be super quiet, so I can't really get away with that stuff, but it's like, I can still write. I don't need to be allowed to write, I so need to be do allowed you, to perform. So do you write in, do you actually sit down with a pen and a paper and write, mm-hmm. or do you, you have a recorder and just kind of jam yeah, along? I've never been able to run a recorder right or or by the time he's getting done pushing the buttons he feels stupid or something you know it's like in order to write good it's like i find you got to write down every stupid thing that comes to your mind even if it feels inconsequential because it's like that's not necessarily the start of what you're writing just write whatever you came into your mind down and then just keep adding to it and eventually maybe five verses up the road all of a sudden you've hit gold you know, those first four verses, you'll just throw them in the trash later. But you needed those first four to get to the goal. Okay. Right? So a lot of the times, it's like, don't think you're at the start just because that's where you began. Because a lot of the times, it's all about the shifting of things into places where they shouldn't belong. 
that makes a song interesting, or at least it does for me. Like okay. A, a lot of the times, it's like I've got all sorts of, like, a quarter of a song, or I've got four good lines, or whatever, and they float around forever, and then sometimes you just see, attach them to something else that's weird that they don't really fit on, and it's like, then you're kind of forced to work with that, you know, and sometimes that's the happiest mistake of all, is just to say, this doesn't have to be linear. This weird thing from over here, it's about fire and something, and this is about lightning over here. So we can smash those together and not okay. be too far away from where we want to be. So do you normally start with a lyric and then try to add music to a lyric? Is that... I, ha- I have an army of little riff riffs and, and stuff that I play that have nothing that I've attached to them that seems natural. So they float around for years, and then I have so much more lyrics than I do music. And those float around for years, and then it's like every once in a while you find the perfect words for that piece of music, and they cancel each other out. They get married, and they go off and do whatever they do. And it's like then you have them as a, as a tool, right? But it's like up until then, it's like you have these desperate parts, and you either try to smash them together, or you come up with music, and when you when you play it, you can hear the words to it, and then you write like that. That's another way of doing it. Right? Okay. So I've, I've done it like that, and that's almost the most natural way to do it because you're not trying to force two things to, to be together. But then at the same time, it's kind of that's where the, the goodness lies in the how do you marry these th- the music and the words together? Because you can you can have some words and try to put it to the music at whatever pace you're playing it at, and just it doesn't quite click. But then all of a sudden you just drag out the one word for like just make extra syllables out of it you know and you can stall out and all of a sudden the music drops at the right spot where the lyrics drop and all of a sudden you got something you know and it's just like elongating things and then and then cutting out little connector words like ats and hits and okay. know, all that yeah. stuff to try to make make everything fit just perfect it's almost like uh, someone a coat for somebody right it's like how it's can, like, can I like, make this like paint, painting a picture yeah exactly okay I can, I can make this fit good I mean it's going to be warm it's going to be something but I mean you can make a coat so it fits good or you can just have a sack that you wear around and you're going to both be warm but you can really tailor that thing if you get good at this so how many records have you recorded so far lots but only like a fit I, I got two with old busted bones before I, and then uh, three I, I think shacks. that's when we met mm-hmm. is when old busted bones bones was a thing yeah kind of right at the tail end of that probably yeah so yeah five five officially and then the tape i made for the family at christmas that none of them seem to remember or <laughs> crap about but it was actually pretty good okay right. and and plans you said you have a record that's about half recorded now is it is it a project I, that you're going to see to fruition or I think, I think a couple of the songs will probably jump off there onto the next record and then a lot of it will probably just sit in the dustbin for a while and until until maybe the perfect spot for one of those songs uh, pops up because it was kind of a soundtrack to that uh, cowboy thing I was doing. okay yeah yeah so I just wrote up these these cowboyish songs and and he picked the one that I thought was probably the best and put it at the end of the movie and so we, it was half recorded I was trying to get Quan and Jeanette to play on it but they didn't really jump on it next thing you know it's like oh here it's done <laughs> and I'm like oh you used that half of that, that song that was just being acoustic okay <laughs> well sometimes that's where the gold is just you know a voice and a guitar you know what it, it seemed to fit good at the end of the movie yeah. I thought it, it kind of excellent let's get one last song in here live at Gilmore Guitars Shift Shanks <laughs> So was my first 
Gilmore Guitar, Shiv Shanks. Woo! Back on the 12th straight. Nice. Those little fingernails, but it feels so good. So that's the first podcast of 2021 for Live at Gilmore Guitars. I appreciate you coming in and, and making the time. I uh, appreciate you having me. First of the year. Couldn't pass that up. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, David. Shiv Shanks, Live at Gilmore Guitars. It's in the can. Yeah.